You're listening to Loud on the Set with Kyle and James. It sounds like it could be funny. And action! All right, welcome back to the show. My name is Kyle. This is James. And today we are on our fourth episode of our podcast. We're going to be talking about a movie today. We're going to be reviewing another big movie that came out this summer. Absolutely. And uh, we're pretty excited about it. Uh, it's an interesting movie. I think a lot of people were really excited to, to see this movie. And James, why don't we just start it off here. What is the movie we're going to be talking about today? Oh, yeah. Ant-Man. 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 The man who's an ant. Oh. Yes. All right. So I think a lot of people were pretty hyped about this. Uh, it's a, with a second big Marvel release this year after... Avengers 2, which I uh, I saw. Did you see Avengers 2? Yes, I did. Yeah, what were... Uh, did you like it? I enjoyed Avengers oh, okay. 2, yeah. Cool. It was good. Yeah, I thought it was good as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, going into this movie, I had a couple of expectations, and I'm sure you did. You're a big Marvel guy. We mentioned that before. I am. Uh, and my expectations for this movie were... Well, at first, I'll be honest, I wasn't excited to see it. I, I thought, you know, this is a character I could ignore, you know? Once again, I found myself with tons of free time on a weekend because I'm a loser. That's what you're going to say. I don't hey, agree hey, with it. But. Only I'm allowed to say that. I'm kidding. <laughs> anyway, yes, I went to another matinee show and um, I thought this won't be so bad. It's gotten good reviews. You know, I, yeah. I waited for some reviews to come in and I went to go see it. And my expectations were, well, in the least, I'll be in the loop with the Marvel Universe. A continuation of their storylines and I'll be caught up. And so let's go. Yeah, so uh, so I definitely was seeing the trailers and everything had a... a it looked like it was going to be something fun to go see. So I didn't... You know, some of these are getting a little bit... I didn't know what to expect with Guardians of the Galaxy either. Didn't really know what to expect here, but I figured I got surprised once, so I'd go and, and see it. And Yeah, maybe it'll be a pleasant surprise. Right? Yeah, it's going to have a good time. And it did get good reviews, so I was, I was optimistic about that as well. But let's break it down. Uh, we both went, we saw the movie, and we left the movie theater, obviously, because we're here talking about this right now. Mm-hmm. And what, how'd you leave the theater? What, what was your consensus? Well, I, I was optimistic. I, as I said a second ago, my expectations weren't high, but, you know, I was, I was ready. And let me tell you, after seeing this movie, I'm ready for DC, you know? Whoa. Because you know, Whoa. I'm, I'm fucking tired of Marvel's... <laughs> derivative formulaic way of just printing money like these oh. movies are fucking stupid that's a key word Kyle I'm gonna find myself <laughs> using that a lot in this review who was this maybe moved for movie made for excuse me this is one of my dumb moments it seems like we have one every podcast dumb half over here on the right who like so childish and stupid no it's fucking immature and dumb uh, bring on DC. I'm ready for the darker tones because I'm tired of this Marvel formula. It's wow. fucking worn out. This tape got worn out a while ago. Uh, Kyle would have never thought I'd hear those words come out of your mouth. Fuck, such man. a big, such a big Marvel fan here. Well, you used a word in there that I also came to mind when I left the theater, which was formulaic. Yeah. And as I was leaving, I thought exactly what you thought. Every second of the movie was like somebody punched into a formula. What happens at this point? And it spit out the answer that this Marvel cinematic universe that we have yeah. wanted to come out. It didn't feel like when I went and saw Iron Man in the theater for the nope. first time and was blown away by the, the depth of the character they're bringing, the intensity of the action, the beauty of the, um, the, I mean, the CGI and just how they were putting everything, 
out of the comic book pages onto the screen. It was pretty impressive. Absolutely. And and leaving the theater, yeah, I was stuck with that formulaic idea and, as well. And by the way, let me just point out something that if it's not obvious, Kyle and I do not see these movies together. And so it's <laughs> and it's no wonder that we converged on the word formulaic. We go see them separately. We're both losers. Um, we both say one, please. Uh, and it's quite easy to converge on this opinion that wow. This is a recipe. This is a formula that they are milking for our last cent. Yeah. Kyle? Yeah, that was sad. I do have to point out that I did go and see this with somebody, though. So I had a little bit of a of an, of oh, an great. enjoyment to great. it outside. So sorry to rub it in. Salt in the wound there. <laughs> the only loser. But uh, so I had somebody to bounce ideas off of and go, oh, my God. Dude, oh, my God. Not me. But... Just, my pack of, just my pack of M&Ms that I snuck into the theater. Just me and my M&Ms and... Oh, yeah. Oh, you know what's great? I'm going to tangent here just for a second because coming from the Midwest, this was something I found fantastic. The candy bag out here. The ability, the, the big candy bar, and you can, like, pick out whichever types of candy you want, pour it in the bag. They weigh it, and then you just get all the candy. That is the greatest idea ever. I don't know. Do you... It's kind of a ripoff. Ripoff of what? No, I mean, it, it financially, it's a rip-off. Oh, no, it's so expensive, yeah. But, I mean, I just love having it all in that little bag. It's so fun. You get to pick whatever you want. I don't know. They had me there. I had a big candy bag. But anyway, <laughs> let's let's break the movie down a little bit and give a give a, a, some specifics about why, you know, you dislike the movie. And I have to say that leaving it, I was disappointed, but I did find that there were redeeming things in it for me. Not that to the point where I thought this was a fantastic addition to this Marvel uh, cinematic universe saga, I guess was what I was going for. Yeah. That they were putting together. But, um, but yeah, I left with, uh, with some certain impressions. So let's break it down a little bit. Um, okay. and start with just the overall plot in the movie. what do you think of just the, the ideas that they presented? Well, since we've already talked about the formulaic derivative nature of just the entire yeah. movie, I'll get into, um, what I call the, you know what? I, I don't care about this scene anymore because they should have just done this component of my review. <laughs> and I have four points on that front. This that, is like, your what they should Like, what the fuck were they thinking? List. Like, why? Another list by James. Yeah, well, you know, you got to organize our <laughs> Bring points, it to right? us. All right, number one. And, of course, all of these points that I make weaken the plot. They make me care less and less about the fucking story mm -hmm. the more I find incredible flaws with it. Okay, hit us with number one. Number one, the jailbreak scene, all right? Mm -hmm. You know, Ant-Man got caught again, and, oh, the, you're, you're such a worthless piece of shit where you're going back to jail, and Hank Pym breaks him out, right? By giving right. him the Ant-Man suit. Yeah. You remember this? I remember. Now, according to the way the movie was set up and... and the, the sequence of events that they portrayed and all the intense movie, I mean, excuse me, the music and the this and the that, this should have been a high stakes moment. The jailbreak is yeah. breaking out. And all I could think the whole time was, you're fucking tiny. Well, what are the stakes here? Just hide for like 20 <laughs> minutes, wait for the police station to empty while they scramble around the city looking for you and you stroll out of there, no problem. But no, this cockamamie bullshit about, oh, we have to hitch, hitch a ride on the patrol car. Why? Uh, to break that perimeter. You're tiny. You're they can't fucking see you. He was hiding on the, like, on the curb and everybody just ran right past him. So why this rush to get out of there? All right, that's a... That's, a, that's number one. That's a typical case. That's just number one. Yeah. You know, like, oh, by the way, spoilers abound for our, our summaries here. Whoops. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ant-Man broke out of jail. If you don't point. know what you're getting into yet, now you do. <laughs> All right. Huge problem number two. Huge the you should have just done it this way. I don't care anymore. Is And the movie even acknowledges at one point, why didn't you just let Hank Pym's daughter do all this shit? 
Mm-hmm. Like, nope, you got to go through this cockamamie plan <laughs> of luring in this, you know, this low-life criminal. I guess they looked up to him, this Robin Hood-esque character. When you already had an ass-kicking, hyper-intelligent daughter that you just don't want to let do it because you're trying to protect her. And I, 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 I understand that point. And one of the things that I thought that they were trying to do was, of course, Hank loved his daughter and lost his wife into this mysterious way or whatever. And, of course, he was trying to do that protecting thing and wants to protect her and not have her go through this. But then there's a point in the movie at which everybody realizes that you know, that would be extremely beneficial. <laughs> she's all game. He makes her a suit and says she's going to do it. And then why didn't you just do all that stuff, you know? So there's a point at which, yeah, I understand your point as well. And I understand what they were going she for. Had but they lost yeah. credibility there at the end. She had insider information about the complex. She was a terrific fighter. She had the trust of the villain. The yeah. ants already fucking listened to her. But nope, nope. Let's <laughs> the take a, ants already listened to her. Let's take a completely unrefined product in the in the form of, of rom- rom-com douchebag Paul Rood and waste time on a training montage to get him up to speed. You could have had this villain taken down overnight. Yeah. Overnight. All Sidebar, right. did you say Rude? Paul Rude? Did is I? Is it Rude? Rud? I thought it was Whatever, whatever his name is, whatever. <laughs> We're going to make that a... He's forever uh, the guy from Clueless James to me. James will screw everybody's name. All the actors and actresses. Nah, whatever. He's the guy from Clueless. He's the <laughs> creep that hits on his stepsister in Clueless. You know? <laughs> okay, now... Remember next, that? You yeah. The, anyway. Yeah, 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 Next point. All right. Next point on, on the cockamamie plot. Cockamamie plot. The pre-mission mission, and Kyle, I'm pretty sure you'll agree with me here, mm-hmm. the pre-mission mission to rob whatever the fuck they stole, a, a double-A battery, whatever they took from, <laughs> from Avengers headquarters. <laughs> Kyle... What the hell was that all about? Yeah, I just uh, go back to formulaic and punch in. We need the Avengers to be in the film so we can tie things together. And the whole time I was watching that scene, I was angry at the fact that they had no faith in their own characters in their standalone movie. Great point. And that was something that when you go back and you watch the original, when this was all starting, I I don't even know when Iron Man came out, but when this process started by which we had the first movie in the series come out and then eventually things started getting tied into all this, we're now seeing the tipping point where they've realized the formula that they've made and they're going to keep doing it instead of tweaking it a little bit and breaking it. And one of the things that was brilliant about Iron Man and the first Captain America was that these these movies did stand alone. Sure, they had some tie-ins with some of their bonus scenes or whatever, right. but they stood alone, they had faith in their characters, and they made those characters brilliant. And here, it was like, well, we, you know, Paul Rudd's here, but let's throw in this guy everyone loves. You yep. guys love that one. And they didn't even pick a really strong character <laughs> to add into it. I know that, that, you know, he's part of the team, but yeah, I was befuddled watching that. And, and the whole yeah. idea of stealing that was just ridiculous. Did they even use the device that they stole from the Avengers? I don't remember because I stopped giving a shit. Yeah. Did they actually use that thing? I have no idea. Oh, boy. Shows how that just that goes was. to show you how important that yeah. component of the movie was. All, All right, right last final, point. Last point about the plot, and then we're going to move on to something else is similar to the pre-mission mission, the mission itself. Yeah. Breaking into, um, what is it called? PIM headquarters, or soon to be Cross? Yeah, whatever, Cross. Whatever the hell it's called. Dynamic Incorporated. Breaking into that evil, complex. Evil Man Incorporated <laughs> building was what it looked like. Yeah. Right? Whoa, what? let's make this as overly complex as possible. Mission mm-hmm. Impossible style. We have to reduce the pressure in the main so that he can sneak in. And once again, I scream to the gods. To the gods, whatever. <laughs> You're f- 
fucking tiny. You're, this does not have to be that complicated. Plus, I'm pretty sure you had those discs that made things small and large upon contact. You could have just chucked one of those at the bad guy. Like, there you go. You're tiny without a, without a prayer of reduce of of. of Fucking, oh, Kyle, help me out. Yeah, so, you know, one of the things that I was optimistic about with this movie was the idea of the heist plot. And in seeing it and watching it, and I was like, oh, they are going for, you know, and we've got this classic trope in these heist movies and stuff, and that's a lot of fun. I, I like those movies yeah. where you put together a lot of pieces and you got to pull off some, like, big complex thing, and then there's twists, and it usually they got to come up with new routes. Get me out of the building. Which door should I break through, you know? And there's fun <laughs> stuff like that. And then they totally abandoned, like, the heist plot in every single way once they once they got it going it was just blown over the top like this became a demolition scenario and we're going for a full-on destruction of this like guy Good just work point. on steal the suit get out of there leave a little note that says like ta-ta for now or something yeah. snide peace motherfucker <laughs> And no. then just go off on your on your way and like and I mean they're screwed at that point you know sabotage a couple send the ants in to mess up the computers and I just thought they could have had so much faith in uh, just looking at the plot as a whole here here was my major complaint leaving the movie go for it there was way too much packed into the plot again way way boy too have much. we heard this before it led no character development at all the characters could not get off the ground it, it didn't matter who was acting the roles that these people were in because unfortunately nope. they got utilized in no way at all and i was really disappointed in that fact too much was packed in way overblown at the end trying to do way too much had they gone for intricacies and just gone and focusing on like maybe just making it this heist movie i just feel like that was such a good idea to build it around that point from the very beginning and start there. You could have left off a lot of exposition, a lot of weird stuff that was happening with some of the side characters and his side story, or just focus on those points and leave all the extra stuff for the sequels you're gonna make. Because why mess up the villain at the end and go for all this garbage if we know you're gonna make sequels and telegraph everything. And so that was just the the script again as we've mentioned before with some of these blockbusters became a complete narration of the events that were happening yes movie, which was yes. disappointing unbelievable anyway Shall so we move that, on? yeah that was my you know sadness but yeah so let's bust into some characters because um the screenwriting building up the characters and everything we've kind of mentioned it already but give me some points all right the characters well <laughs> this is what when discussing the characters and when thinking about the characters kyle this is where I got into the whole, this movie is stupid and it thinks I'm stupid. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's stupid and made for simpletons and the characters therefore are simple and stupid. So let's go down my little list here, for example. A telegraphed villain, right? Mm -hmm. All right, in case you couldn't tell, you see this well-dressed, aggressive, bald-headed guy <laughs> a la Lex Luthor, a la yeah. Obadiah Stane. He's going to be a bad guy. And we're going to tell you this bad guy because when he touches people on the shoulder ominously, a tone will play. Boom, boom. <laughs> oh, my God. How about the interaction between uh, Hank Pym and his fucking daughter? So awkward. Like, again, are we this dumb? Are we this stupid? By the way, watch watch as she calls him by his first name. You know, you could call me dad. Oh, guess you've been feuding, huh? Oh. <laughs> I'm glad I checked my brain at the door. I wouldn't be able to figure out any of this stuff unless you 
fucking handheld me through and this whole thing. And an important point to make just involving those three characters were I think that those actors and actresses are great. I've seen them yeah. in other things, and I think that they're wonderful. And in more carefully guided screenwriting hands, I really think that this could have been a solid addition to this Marvel saga that they're going with. But problems abound, so let's keep going. Yeah, let's James keep going. James List number okay. two. <laughs> Holy cow. Uh, how, oh. about, how about the... the 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 simpleton way that the Ant-Man has to write out his goals to let the audience know, if I follow the following financial steps, I'll get to see Cassie in 377 days. Do you actually write these things out to yourself? Or would you just, would you just realize, like, damn, it's over a year. Yeah. Unbelievable. So simple, so stupid. So and even if that could have been something involved in this character, like maybe he's meticulous, maybe he's a planner, maybe he is. But it was just so random things out of the blue that just did not even, And yeah. if he was the planning type, they represented that in no way because I'd say he was anything but that just looking yeah. at the movie. Uh, what else do we have here? I'll gun out a couple of the typical sure, stereotypes that these characters... Out. I'll blast Shotgun out some on. of the fucking stereotypes. Here we go. The self-doubting hero stereotype. <laughs> uh, I'm not the one for this job. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we've seen that in previous Marvel movies. I'm not the one for cliche talking. I mean, I'm exactly that one right now. Okay. Yeah. Uh, a training montage where you take a buffoon and you turn him into a uh, a badass, right? Even Rocky had a montage. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We I got don't... some montages going on. Um, the classic dad, like, I didn't tell you the truth because I was protecting you cliche. Like, how often is this going to be used in movies before somebody calls bullshit? Like, how does that protect you? Like, your daughter's an ass-kissing borderline super spy and you're protecting her by keep... Anyway, I'm moving Did on. Did we say ass-kissing or kicking? Uh, kicking. Unless she, <laughs> kicking, right? Unless, All right, that'll be funny on the playback. Kiss. Keep going. <laughs> All right. Uh, how about naming one ant out of thousands just so that we can have, oh, an emotional connection to one of the ants. Like, as soon as you're like, your name is Anthony. I was like, oh, great. We get to see either Anthony suffer later in the movie for the mission or die. Like, how formulaic. And no? James, I'm an entomologist by trade. An entomologist by trade. And this colonial aspect of you know all these ants live together it's for the for the group mentality and singling out one of those ants from these experts that are now the ant men and the <laughs> ant women that we have here seemed a little out of place for me if you truly understood the working of ant culture or colonial insect culture in general. Nerd point for the day moving on. All right. Next all right. one. I'm going to wrap it up real quick with a couple of uh, four stereotypes we've seen in movies like crazy. Visit the daughter before the mission begins, right? Mm -hmm. Eyes on the prize in case you dumbass moron sitting in the theater forgot <laughs> that he's doing this all for the love of little Cassie. Oh, little Cassie. In case you forgot, he breaks into the house and visits her to give her the kiss on the forehead. I'm surprised he didn't fucking tuck her in. The classic tuck-in, right? The classic tuck-in. Pretty sure I saw that in Spider-Man 3. Oh, Remember yeah. the Sandman? Right. Anyway, finally, uh, you know, the, you know, Paul Rude, right? He, he knows that... <laughs> Rudd, whatever. He knows that his regulator is going to shrink him down to, you know, infinity, essentially, and, and possibly cause him to die. Mm -hmm. But he just decides to do it at the end, something we saw telegraphed from, like, halfway, the halfway point in the movie. Yes, and it was in no way subtle. He no. Didn't, he didn't come across his information himself or anything. No. Hank Pym literally up. said to him, don't do that, because it will do this. Oh, okay. I won't until I absolutely need to later, which I will, because that's the only thing we can do, is make the most dramatic thing possible happen. Yeah. And then what are you going to do in the sequel? Well, then he gets really big. 
Well, yeah. I don't know. They can't go anywhere from there. That's a great They've point. They've already entered the quantum realm. What, what a, do you do now? That's a great point. Like, Hank Pym serves up the don't do that, uh-huh. don't do that, we and then conveniently it. a little bit later, here's what will happen if you do that because my wife did it, filling yeah. in that mystery right. of what happened to my wife. And then sure enough, as predicted, as the formula dictates, he does it too, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm pretty sure I saw that in Iron Man 1. But you'll die! Remember that? Mm-hmm. Don't overload the circuits. Uh, Tony, you'll die. Do it, Peppa! <laughs> Alright, we saw that in Iron Man 1. We saw it in Captain America 1. I gotta put her down into the ocean. No, but you'll die, Steve. Too bad, you know? I know I owe you that dance, but fuck it, I'm going swimming, you know? Uh, and then we saw it, also, of course, in Avengers 1. Mm-hmm. You know that's a one-way mission, Tony. You fly that nuke up through that wormhole, you're not coming back. <gasps> Connect me through to Peppa, one last call. Come on. Come on. And by the way, the Academy Award goes to James over here for that display. I could be the next Tony Stark if (laughs) if Downey Jr. is thinking of stepping out. Kyle, let's move on. I know you got some more points. So, yeah, I think we covered the characters pretty well. (laughs) They suck. (laughs) suck I think that there was a way to, you know, underused is a way that I will describe the characters because I do think that there was a lot of thought that went into putting this together as I mean they have billions of dollars to make these movies they wrote the script a whole bunch of times there was a lot of development problems with this movie so a lot of iterations of this happened so people were obviously thinking about it and the characters were underused and that's because they had no time to be used because we just focused on way too much in this movie but going forward one of the things that I did really like and respect about this movie was the cinematography and the uh, provided sense of scale in almost every situation I thought was actually really impressive. Um, the, all the shrinking scenes when we exploded down and shrank into the Ant-Man world were amazing. And, uh, and the camera work was brilliant and adapted really well to that situation. And one of the problems with CGI, as we mentioned before in Jar Jurassic World Review, is that when you don't have a sense of scale with what you're putting on the screen, then it makes no sense. And when this whole movie's about scale, I was a little afraid that I was going to get lost in the scenes where he was shrinking and punching and getting big and punching. And we were just seeing a <laughs> whole lot of things, lots of punching. But there, there's too much chaos and... And I thought that was really well handled. I thought when they were moving through scenes and he was shrinking and getting bigger and we were doing stuff with that that was happening, uh, that that was really well done. I thought the camera work was really strong. But at this point, yeah, it's a Marvel movie. Yeah, they got a lot of talented people behind the scenes doing this stuff. So it makes sense you have things like that worked out. You know, isn't it amazing, though, one of the points you made is that this movie went through a number of iterations Mm -hmm. and they had a lot of people working behind the scenes on it. And I'll agree the cinematography was great. I have no complaints a la the minnow of Jurassic Park, as you (laughs) so eloquently pointed out to me that one time. It was all very well handled. But wow, you have so many people working on this movie and so many iterations of the script, and yet all you come out with is just stock Mm -hmm. characters, right? And I feel another issue that we saw definitely, and this was kind of what you mentioned in Jurassic World, and I feel it much more strongly here, was that this went down in the editing room real hard. I feel like the original cut of this was much longer than what we saw on the screen and that a longer film would have been too much because it was already butting up on a unreasonable length there. But a lot of it was left on the floor and had they just focused on smaller pieces, then that would have have worked. Well, one of the things that I wanted to mention was the, uh, again, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So just in looking at this, I think it's a, a fun, really fun idea to make a lot of movies that fit together well. I think that's really cool, and you can have crossovers and things. 
But one of the problems is that you do everything in one movie and then where do you go from there? And the do less, have more idea is so great. And that's something we're seeing in TV a lot where we're focusing on lots of good character development and they can do more down the road with what they've got. And I think what they're trying to do is give these cliffhanger teasers so that people have a lot to look forward to and know there's a lot more coming, but keep your audience wanting more. Leave the theater wanting to have seen more Ant-Man so you'll buy the tickets next time around because frankly, I feel like they've, I don't know where they're gonna go from here and anywhere feels silly after you've shrunk down into the quantum realm and handled that situation. So keep your audience wanting more and this cinematic universe can hinder or help these movies. They can tie them and make them cohesive and bring some of your favorite characters together into an Avengers movie, or you can blur the lines and have this blown up confusion mess. So uh, I think they just need to handle it a, bit, a little bit differently and we can get some more good stuff coming out of it. Yeah, I, I agree with everything <clears throat> you just said. It's like, if this is tying into a big universe, you don't have to jam in all the classic formulaic elements of all your previous movies. Like, gotta introduce a villain, Gotta have him, you know, peek at, at some level of bad, you know, evilness that mm. Ant Man has to take down, and then you take him down, and right. nice, nice little boat in. Like, fuck! Like, you don't have to do that every single time. Like, you, oh my! Break the God. mold. Yeah, break the break mold because you just like I don't care about mm. Iron Man. I, excuse me, about Ant Man. If, <laughs> if these are the guys that are lined up to replace, you know, the the actual successful characters of Marvel, such as Iron Man and Captain America, well then. I, I'm ready to check out because god damn it, you know? <laughs> yeah, and that the pacing was so formulaic. Everything felt like, oh, of course this needs to happen now. Of course his we daughter needs him, needs so, him yeah. to show him that he's a hero, of course. And I'm sure we'll have more chances to break down these these formulas later on but um, with some other reviews. But yeah, it's definitely there, and that was one of the saddest things about it going in but let's let's get to the end we've 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 gone through all the specifics we've talked about it all so james where do we leave this movie let's pop a grade on it and give any final thoughts you've got let's see i hesitate to give it an f because f is reserved for the f is reserved for the complete failure of jurassic world yeah i'll I'll, I'll give it a d for dumb <laughs> and i will repeat i'll repeat that this Iron Man reject with a little bit of Mission Impossible combined with Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Oh, just a D for dumb, juvenile, <laughs> formulaic, derivative. And just one more, like I said earlier, one more nudge for me away from the Marvel Universe about giving mm -hmm. a crap about these characters because they're interchangeable at this point. You know, even the villains are interchangeable. Bald-headed military industrial complex villain. Uh, wisecracking hero. Yeah. Love interest on the side who's a, a secretly also very powerful woman who could carry her own weight. I've seen these characters before. Yeah. You know? Not looking at something very D. original. D for dumb. D. I'm going to give it a solid C. And the reason I'm going to do that is because the film work was pretty solid. And, uh, of course, that's coming to be expected at this point. Also, I'm cutting this movie in particular some slack with some of the other Marvel movies and things because it is outlandish in the nature of the comic book premise. But in saying that, other things have done it really well. So it's kind of a C and a, you know you got to keep your grades up, right? 
<laughs> Got to keep your grades up. So that's where I'm going to leave it as well. All any right, final, right. Yeah, you got you your final thoughts. Anything else you want to say? Nah, just, I, fuck. I mean, at least I got to see a little bit of the Winter Soldier there at the end with Captain America. Spoiler alert. That's Spoilers, the, yeah. And credit scene, although that didn't give away too much either. But I'm just, God damn it! I hope Civil War doesn't disappoint. <laughs> That's all I got left. Bring on Batman v Superman, please. I'm all ready right. for dark because I'm done with this. I'm done with dumb and silly. Bring okay. on bring on the dark seriousness of DC. All right, and we'll hit up some more of these big blockbusters and these uh, hot summer releases and review them as we get through this uh, year. But thank you guys for listening. Uh, James, always a pleasure as yeah. usual. And uh, go out and see some good movies and uh, have a lot of fun and think critically about them. Yep, see you later. Have a good one. (laughs) And cut.